0: Hello, I'm Amy Keeley, and this is the Travel Weekly Podcast. Later on this episode, I speak to John Strickland about the state of the aviation sector. But first, I'm here with my colleague Ian Taylor, and we're going to talk about the main headlines from the last week or so.
1: Brexit continues to dominate uh, the headlines, most people's thinking, for better or for ill. I was surprised to see that Lord Adonis... uh, told the ITT conference last week that they could be confident Britain would stay in the EU, there'd be a second uh, referendum. Presumably that was well received.
0: It was, and it was a pretty packed um, auditorium when he was on. He, he's an arch Remainer, so it was, on the one hand, no surprise that he would come out kind of um, bit Brexit bashing, but also um, I think people were a bit surprised that he was so convinced that it's not going to to happen and he kind of explained the scenarios as to why he thought that would happen. He doesn't think the new Tory leader would dare call a general election for fear of losing and he said that when every time a new vote is put to Parliament, Parliament pulls back and stops it happening and I think he could just foresee the negotiations going on and on forever and it never materialising.
1: Well, that could be what happens. I tend to think that Boris will jump at the chance to call an election if he appears to be ahead in the polls at any moment this autumn. Um, What was the mood more generally at the ITT?
0: So on on the social side and the networking side, it was really upbeat, and like every other ITT conference I've been to, what was perhaps absent from the stage sessions was any... Talk about the current trading conditions. Um, that that seemed to be kind of not really discussed. That the sessions very much stuck to the theme of the conference, which is all about the opportunities of change. So it was hard to get a feel of of, of how people were performing commercially. Maybe people just didn't want to talk about it I, I don't
1: know i don't blame people for not wanting to talk about trading when it when it's difficult yeah. They'd rather look to the look to the future absolutely that, and that, be optimistic yeah, yeah 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 uh, one or two of the speakers stood out for you
0: definitely so easy jets johann lundgren he, i think he's always a very good speaker and i thought this was one of his best sessions actually i've seen him at ABTA and a few other times He spoke about working with the trade and he kind of confirmed that EasyJet Holidays would launch to the trade next year. And he said he's really looking forward to that, that he and um, chief executive of EasyJet Holidays, Gary Wilson, was having conversations with people in the room already. And he's, um, yes, really looking forward to working with agents. So it was the strongest indication yet if not confirmation that they will be looking to sell through agents Um, another airline chief was um well not an airline chief sorry it's commercial chief at ba andrew brem spoke about the it meltdown the airline experienced a couple of years ago saying it's won many of its customers back after that
1: incident yeah i find that it's very odd to raise that two years on because most people would have forgotten about it. But it would have been extraordinary if BA lost uh, customers wholesale, wouldn't it? Since it flies half the flights operating out of Heathrow. Um, I hope somebody, you, hope somebody pressed I him on say, how many customers sh- they'd lost.
0: Shame you um, weren't there to ask a question, Ian. But, um, um,
1: but uh, yeah, that seems, it seems an odd thing it to have does. talked. Presumably he was asked to, to, to talk about talk about that. Mm.
0: Yes, he was. And then obviously we had Chris Mottishead, who was named as the new ITT president, taking over from Trevor Harding.
1: Thomas Cook will be glad not to be in the headlines this week. Um, no news is good news for Thomas Cook for the foreseeable future. Although they may, you know, they may hope to make an announcement about the uh, progress on the sale of the airline later this month certainly sooner rather than than later because they need to be well on the road of reshaping the group by september um but otherwise they need to keep off the Mm. business pages
0: they do and apart from announcing new hotels that are opening
1: oh presumably there'll be more next week
0: yeah what else have we had in in the news this week you're going to talk about the the, um, the, boris
1: johnson yeah the the one significant thing I thought was that Boris Johnson, who now seems a shoe in uh, for the next Prime Minister, uh, signalled uh, he would no longer join uh, protests against Heathrow. He had pro- pledged to be one of the first to lie down in front of the bulldozers. He, he um, <laughs> seems to have retreated from, from that. Uh, He also uh, spoke at a business breakfast apparently on Tuesday morning uh, where he retreated on uh, his remark last year um, to fuck business, Um, which is not the normal uh, standpoint of the Tory prime minister. Um, So he's obviously uh, getting ready for the the role. But significantly, he also uh, signalled that he could um, pull the plug on part of HS2, uh, if not the entire project. he's Apparently, he's ready to order a review of the high-speed rail, um, you know the project which would develop initially from London to Birmingham and thereafter from Birmingham to Manchester and Leeds. Uh, so that will be interesting to see.
0: And I think the public mood is very much for scrapping it.
1: From the public mood, tell. the mood amongst a lot of Tory MPs in constituencies around the Cotswolds and beyond, um, and it well, it there are arguments for it in terms of the capacity on the rail network, but it could also be a huge white elephant.
0: Okay, cool. Thanks very much, Ian. Okay, hello, John. Thank you for coming on the Travel Weekly podcast. Before we get started, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your background?
2: Okay, well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm John Strickland. I've had 37, well, almost 37 years in the airline industry, the last 16 of which I've run my own consultancy called JLS Consulting. Prior to setting up the consultancy, I worked for a number of different airlines, including British Airways, British Midland, British Caledonian and latterly Buzz, which was a low-cost airline that KLM sadly sold to Ryanair. And during my time as an airline employee, I worked particularly in the commercial areas of the business, specifically network planning, so deciding where to fly and what aircraft to use, and in revenue management, which many of your listeners will know is all about the pricing and capacity of airline seats.
0: Okay, well, thank you for that. So let's get um, started. Let's talk about um, what is going on in the aviation sector. We've had um, IATA this week downgrading its forecast for carriers' profits this year by 20%. Lufthansa this week issued a profit warning. Uh, Ryanair reported a 29% slump in profits. EasyJet lost almost £6 per passenger on every seat flown in the uh, last winter. What's going on? What's happening? I
2: could say this is quite normal for the airline industry. It really is an industry that lives from uh, crisis to crisis, and and seasoned airline executives will tell you, don't get in this industry if you are not able to handle that, because it it does go on with monotonous regularity. But the themes you mentioned there are all ones that reflect the the, the market dynamics today. We see uh, particularly here in Europe overcapacity, there are too many airlines chasing available passengers. If there is overcapacity, that means airlines tend to put pressure on prices. Everyone is competing to get those customers' bums on their seats, so that's one aspect. Fuel prices have been creeping up in recent months, and of course airlines can't live without uh, burning kerosene, so that tends to go straight through to the bottom line in a negative way when prices of fuel go up, because you can't necessarily feed it straight through to passenger price increases, so uh, airlines have to take that on the chin. And then we've got a general backdrop of uh, uh, malaise in terms of a trading environment, there's still a lot of uncertainties about brexit including levels of demand we have things like the trade spat going on between US and China and of course currently as we speak there are some uh, political geopolitical tensions in the Gulf with regard to Iran and that affects oil price again
0: okay right now we're going to see more airline failures do you think
2: I think we will see more failures there's always a list but perhaps for the last 18 months we've seen more than most and and the airlines that have failed have really spanned all business models. We we now see a a kind of a polarisation, there's a consolidation in the industry. There are a few strong players. Uh, We have some network airline groups, by which I mean IAG, the parents of British Airways and Iberia, the Lufthansa Group, Air France KLM, and strong and large, low-cost airlines like Wiz. Rhino and EasyJet and then there are many smaller Wiz actually
0: posted a, a healthy uh Wiz uh, showed it, an recently. increase in profits yeah. and
2: makes better further increase from the year ahead. And really it is the low cost guys who uh, are masters of the industry. They're the ones who have taught the lessons about discipline and Uh, religious focus on costs in minute detail, day after day, to to succeed as an airline, because there are so many challenges that can come in and kick an airline off course, where demand can fall away, where competition increases, where there's a terror shock or an economic shock. So if airlines don't manage their costs very carefully, don't indeed uh, manage to amass Cash in the bank, which a large number don't, then you can be floored very quickly. Okay.
0: So, a volatile industry, highly based volatile. It highly industry. volatile. So, so talking about volatility, tell us what, how Norwegian um, is doing because they were in a really precarious position not long ago. Are they out of the woods yet?
2: Well, Nor- Norwegian, of course, is the, the largest uh, low cost long haul airline in Europe. This is a model which is proving to be very popular with customers. It's grown strongly in recent years. We've seen it in Asia the development of Asia X. Uh, Norwegian, as I mentioned, here in Europe. But uh, as you alluded there, the airline made a big loss last year. It also recorded a substantial loss for its first quarter results, which it reported recently. The challenge is it's one thing to appeal to customers and to get people on board your planes. It's another to make money from that. Now, Norwegians had some bad luck with the Boeing 787 Dreamliners, which are its uh, mainstay aircraft for long-haul flights. Some of those have had to be grounded in the last year because of some uh, engine problems on the Rolls-Royce engines. They've had to Cancel flights and renting other aircraft, which cost money. Now they've been hit by the recent grounding of the Boeing 737 Max, uh, which they've also introduced to their fleet to do some of the slightly shorter but still long-haul flights. But aside from those uh, bad luck external factors, they've grown incredibly rapidly. They've shown incredible is it too, speed, too quickly, too quickly think, I yeah. think. And I think they now acknowledge that. And, and part of what we're trying to do to stem those losses and put themselves back on a path to profitability is to cut some route They've closed some bases and are closing yeah, further they, they ones.
0: They cut their short-haul programme very quietly, but uh, we actually did cover it, but they did cut their Well, some short of their short-haul flights. I mean, yeah. they're still
2: growing in the short-haul mm. market to, to in total, but, for example, some flights to and from Spain have been changed. There's probably been a bit of a revolving door on some routes yeah. in and out of airports, like, like Gatwick, for, for yeah. example. But they're trying to divest of a number of aircraft, not only some in their fleet, but they've got yeah, yeah. a massive order book running in hundreds of aircraft. Yeah. They've recognised they don't... Need all those planes, so they're trying to get rid of some of them before they even take delivery. That's a lot of their work, and that will reduce their requirement for capital expenditure. Now, one irony about having this uh, max aircraft grounded currently is that some of the flights that aircraft was due to operate, I would suggest, were probably going to be loss making. So they may not uh, really want to acknowledge it, but they're probably saving a bit of money there. Right. They can claim compensation on that grounding at some point from Boeing. And also because of the the aircraft they're trying to uh, dispose of, uh, the MAX grounding again at the moment has really tightened up the, the lease or rental market for aircraft capacity, so it may be easier for them to place some of those aircraft they have on order than it otherwise would have been, and possibly at better prices as airlines are scrambling around to find replacement right. capacity while the MAX remains grounded.
0: I see. Well, as you've mentioned the MAX, let's talk about that, because that is in the news pretty much every day, isn't it? There's a bit of a blame game uh, that seems to be going on, the, the American uh, Americans pointing the finger at pilots. Pilots being at fault, and the the the, air, the Ethiopian Airlines boss saying no, it's it's software problem, it's not up, to nothing wrong, a bit of toing and froing. Um, what, what what's your take? What, what what is who is to blame and what went wrong? It's,
2: it's a it's a tragic uh, situation, of course. These two uh, accidents we've seen. But the first thing I would say though is we don't yet have a final accident report on either of those two accidents, either uh, Lion Air from the autumn of last year or the more recent Ethiopian accident. We have some idea from initial reporting about uh, the key elements of these accidents relating to this system called the MCAS system uh, on the aircraft and there's been such a news stream as you said about this aircraft since these accidents which has left a lot of questions in terms of the way the aircraft reached certification with the the regulatory authorities in the US and the relationship there uh, with Boeing and the FAA the Federal Aviation Authority there's been questions about information that was put or was not put into flight manuals and pilot awareness about this system and how it could override pilot control of the aircraft at a critical time of flight but at the moment that has not all been put together in a clear way uh, Boeing has produced a software upgrade which they believe will avoid uh, problems like this happening again but they have to get that certified from the FAA and I say the FAA the US Authority because it's normally the authority in the country of manufacture which is the lead one to, to give the green light for an aircraft certification, but it is normally followed by other authorities around the world. We have seen something of a reversal here, uh, back to front, because when the second crash happened, other authorities around the world started to ground this plane and it was the US authorities who grounded it last. last yeah. And that could mean that in the uh, rectification of this aircraft, to get it back, uh, as one would expect, to a uh, safe flight, it may be that even if the FAA gives a green light in the near future, other Regulators may not just uh, fall in line on that. So they the may FAA
0: has been somewhat discredited, then, a bit by this.
2: I, I think discredited would be would would be a far too strong a word to use. It uh, certainly led some questions about how things are done. Uh, the US certainly will want to bring back uh, and restore confidence and credibility around the world in the FAA as a leading safety authority and I think maybe we'll see changes in uh, processes in in how things are done in the future. Uh, There's a lot of learnings to be had all round here, both from Boeing and the regulators, and questions about pilot training as well.
0: Well, um, this week, um, the A-Parent, IAG, put in a huge order for for this aircraft, didn't they? Willie Walsh did a press conference and said they're ordering, is it 200? Um, max aircraft so that's a huge vote of confidence isn't it
2: you're quite right this was an amazing vote of confidence in boeing at a time when they really badly need some, some, some really good news like that as they're, they're wrestling with this challenge, perhaps the biggest challenge I would think Boeing has ever had in its pretty well century of existence and in, and in manufacturing aircraft. Now, it's one thing for a large group like IAG to, to put this order in, but I think what adds a, a certain element of credibility too is that the CEO of IAG is Willy Walsh. Now, Willy Walsh Number one, he's a very down-to-earth, straight-talking man. I've spoken with him many times. And he's a former pilot. And not only a former pilot, but he used to fly earlier versions of the Boeing 737 when he was a captain at Aer Lingus. So he's very familiar with this aircraft. He's mentioned since the uh, the order, indeed I should say, it's not actually an order but a letter of intent. So there's a lot more uh, water that needs to go into the bridge to get this to fruition, although one would expect it is going to get there. But he's actually sat in the simulator in the last few weeks and tested out uh, the aircraft uh, flight deck software management as it was and as it will be if the software upgrade uh, goes through as planned. And he's expressed very strong confidence. I think that that is actually in many ways as valuable, or perhaps in some ways other than financial uh, consideration, more valuable to Boeing.
0: Yeah. Reputationally, definitely. And, and will other airlines follow, do you think, follow his lead?
2: I, I don't know at this point in time, because number one, uh, aside from the, uh, the, the accident, order books for Boeing and Airbus are pretty full with short-haul aircraft, indeed uh, to, to supplement that. The MAX can fly short-haul or some relatively long-haul flights. So the, the order books are pretty, pretty solid. But uh, there is talk as we speak about possibly Ryanair coming back for more orders or upgrading to a larger version of the MAX. They already have a planned ordering for about 200 aircraft and uh, more options. So they're already a big customer of his plane. That would be equally good news for Boeing if Michael O'Leary was to come out with a, a further statement of confidence.
0: Fine. Let's talk about Flybe briefly. Um, Mark Anderson was recently appointed to head up Connect Airways, the parent of Flybe, uh, when its takeover. By- by the consortium led by Virgin Atlantic is confirmed. Why has Virgin bought Flybee? What's the it, game here? It's
2: an interesting uh, acquisition because it's not only Virgin, uh, it's a, a financial party and it's Stobart uh, Aviation. So it's actually a mixture, but the two industry partners in this consortium we bought Fly B are Virgin and Stobart. Well, Stobart is a, is a regional airline group. They also own Southland Airport. Stobart Air uh, flies, for example, franchise services for Aer Lingus out of Ireland, and that's a key piece of their business. They're very focused on the regional market, and they conceive see an airline the size of fly B which is very much in that space and has a fleet of around 80 planes is something they can rework and uh, probably integrate into a, a more efficient use of that capacity and a strengthening of a regional position having said that none of that is really very much of interest to Virgin uh, however where Virgin has an interest is that Flybe already flies into Heathrow Airport where of course Virgin is a big player and Virgin has desperately needed feed onto its long-haul flights into Heathrow for a long time and before I forget, I would add that applies in Manchester, too, because Virgin flies a number of long-haul flights out of Manchester, which is also a big base for Fly B. So feed is what they're after. The CEO of uh, Virgin this week, uh, Shai Weiss, has said at the Paris Air Show uh, it's going to be rebranded as a Virgin something, I think were his exact words. And they, they certainly will be looking to get that feed to strengthen the ability to fill up those long-haul aircraft out of Heathrow. And I think in the fullness of time, I'm sure they'll look to change terminals because... Uh, Virgin's in uh, Terminal 3 and Fly B in Terminal 2, so it would be logical if they could work that with T-throw, like yeah. get them into the same terminal, yeah. it makes them a more seamless product.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Thomas Cook Airlines. It's up for sale, as we all know. Lufthansa and Virgin are potential bidders. Do you think? Uh, who do you think is the most likely out of those two to buy it and, and who else do you think might come in?
2: L- Lufthansa has said publicly it's interested in buying at least the long-haul assets of Thomas Cook Group, which uh, is an important part of its German activity. Uh, Lufthansa's challenge is there's already been a, a lot of consolidation in the German market over the last two years uh, due to the failure of Air Berlin and uh, Lufthansa was able to acquire the lion's share of that airline, at about 80%, with the rest going predominantly to EasyJet. So competition authorities in the European Commission would be wary of giving Lufthansa further dominance in the German market. I think this is why Lufthansa is talking about the long-haul part, because uh, of course Thomas Cook is uh, a substantial operator to the Mediterranean. I think they're being pragmatic, recognising they probably wouldn't get that. And it's probably of less interest. I mean, Lufthansa's profits certainly stem far more than anything from long-haul operations, so that's logical there. Uh, Of course, Thomas Cook is a big player in the UK market as well Uh, and Virgin uh, uh, as we just talked about in the context of Flybe is a a large UK operator uh, a big player at airports like Gatwick and Manchester where again Thomas Cook has a big slot portfolio so I think slots might be the bigger value there for Virgin that they could really strengthen their position at those two airports and and gain scale if they were to succeed in getting some of those uh, assets in a a sale process.
0: John thank you very
2: much. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening. We are now also available on Spotify as well as SoundCloud and iTunes. So if you prefer using Spotify, you'll be able to find us on there. We'll be back with the next episode in a few weeks time.